Uh, Shafi, uh, Shafi, you're here. night in, Matthew, in Matthew's backyard, back on his back patio, as I continue to podcast like a refugee. Uh, I am pleased to report to both to you, Matthew, and to all of One Magical Nation, the floor is halfway done. I went, my, went by the house this afternoon. We might, we might be moved back in sometime in September. What a mitzvah. The floor <laughs> is halfway done. We have... An exciting episode. Three ones, 111. That must be uh, auspicious one way or one way or another. Uh, those, those three ones hanging there in the air. Episode 111. We have uh, some discussions for you. I believe Matthew is going to describe a Disney TV show to me later. We also have a quiz. I think this is going to... A quiz? Yeah, I think this is going to... I was thinking this would be the family episode. Because the quiz that I found for you is uh, from National Geographic Kids oh. that I was reading to my nephew just before I came over, and uh, we're talking. We'll talk some Disney Channel. We'll talk some stuff. Be the uh, this is the family episode. I'll try to keep my fuck bombs to a minimum, and uh, and this will be one for, one for everybody. Uh, but we'll have to see. You never know how it'll go. In order to find out, first you got to say hi to the pride of Tarzana, California, uh, the king of the folk singing scene out that way. He's a uh, he's well-reviewed in a number of prison journals. And, uh, and his name's Matthew Rampey. It's right here. Hot shit. I'm going down, down, Shafee. Yo, street in a pathfinder. Street sweeper, Shafee. Cock ready to hit record. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa, what? Listen to us cast. Light it up and take a puff. Podcasting off our ass. You can find me in Austin talking to Shafe, smoking dubs with Grace, calling Alex off of her face, sipping ale, getting perved and looking pale, daps and hugs, Griffin Smith kind in a rail, and it's all because accumulated enough scratch just to podcast it. Sometimes my browser fails. Jeff and Cat are probably waiting while I'm entertaining. Wild, ain't it? How bonita this is always playing. I just put that together in the last like. 20 minutes. That was fantastic. <laughs> country, Again, country grammar. Whatever happened to Nelly? Alex Battles is so happy right now somewhere. And uh, and all the other gang that you named, named Jack, Kat and Jeff and Grace and... and uh, the, you know, and, the crew. And the whole crew. 111. That does seem auspicious. I like that the family episode started my first... You know, I was like, hot shit. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's this a, great. throw the family thing right out the window. Right. I did put my son's name in the rap. So, <laughs> yes, that's uh, that is family. Well, Shafi, this is great, man. Again, an opportunity to sit on the back porch Wonderful. and do some some podcasting just from the hip casting. Another pleasant one, too. Uh, seems relatively mosquito free. Maybe that's because it's been so dry lately. No, I, I think they were here. They were here before you got here. Oh, I asked them to leave just they, before yeah. you got here. They were, they were getting wasted on my blood. <laughs> they were. Um, so they're gone. That's cool. I called them an Uber. 
us mosquito <laughs> Uber. We want to drive in that. <laughs> no, no. A Friday night. Not a, not in this town. Friday night. Uh, um, it is Friday night. Wow, yeah. And we rarely cast on a Friday night. We gotta do, get we down do, on Friday. We do a lot of our business on Tuesdays. Mm, oftentimes Thursdays. It, Saturdays is probably the most common casting day. Or I feel like some of our most epic epic episodes are from Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's usually the time when we talk to somebody more talented than us and episode 109 lucas marquardt yeah saturday that's already at 190 downloads that was a a a, um that was a sunday night episode a rare sunday night episode is there what day of the week do you think we've done the fewest casts friday or wednesday probably friday maybe friday you're right you are right because i'm usually just destroyed from the week on friday like friday is not a time i'm trying to do anything really but uh, it, it worked out this week. It's not a time when you're trying to do the shimmy, shimmy, cocoa yet. <laughs> uh, shimmy, shimmy, what? <laughs> um, I want to revisit the recent past, as I am want to do. I, as love, I, often, I love doing as that. As I often yeah. love to do. I just want to, uh, I was listening to the previous podcast, episode 110, if you're following the math, if you're, if you're following the sequence. And I had been, I, when I edited it, I was feeling very uh, critical of it. And I said that to Schaefer and Benitez and they, they both were like, Hey, <laughs> Hey, 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 go easy on yourself there, buddy. It's, it's, hey. Hey, it's okay. And I was like, I'm going to jump off a bridge because of one ten. Take, it, take um, it easy on our best friends, Matthew and Schaefer. You know, I, it's such a, it's so important in our society to be detail oriented. You know, that is what is Okay, wait, we'll get back to that topic. Here comes the train. Woo! That was just the Metro Rail. Um, you need a train. And I, I don't think I'm naturally detail-oriented, but I have learned over time to focus on the details. And when you're doing anything, any endeavor, you're running a business, you're playing a sport, you're creating art, whatever it is, attention to detail is important. But sometimes I can be a little haunted by the details of the recording and the editing together. And then, it, you know, it reminds me of when I got into magic. Uh-huh. <laughs> magic the Gathering? No. Oh. <laughs> Ma- magic the Profession. Oh, okay. Magic, magic the <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, my, Bunnies uh, and Hats. A, a, a friend of my grandparents in Lubbock, I, I cannot remember his name. He was their age. He was a geezer. He ran a magic club. Oh, wow. And that's actually, I, I don't know if I met Dave at the magic club or I like, say, I think I, I think I already knew Dave from school, but he was in the magic club too. And I, I remember I got into magic and if you get into the details of magic, it really ruins magic for you <laughs> forever. <laughs> Like, you know, every like magic is built around a pretty small set of misdirection and sleight of hand. And you um, I don't know once you've done some magic, it's hard to to see a magician and be like, wow, that was great. And, you know, podcast, I've gotten into the details of podcasting. And sometimes when I'm editing the show, I just want it to be good. Believe it or not, despite the results, we're trying to put out some decent content here. And uh, <laughs> so, but both Brian and Schaefer said, and 
I hadn't done it yet. You you should listen to 110. It's it doesn't sound as bad as you think. And you said that the humor is on brand for one magical hour. <laughs> and you were right. I listened to it and it was not too shabby at all. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed my mustard, my Dijon, <laughs> death of the Dijon jar yeah, yeah. discussion, the minutiae of my life. And um, it was neat. Yeah, it was. Oh, a... oh, the the best part of it was we had this discussion about whether or not the podcast is art. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's uh, an open-ended theory. It's up for debate. No doubt. Uh, in fact, if anybody wants to get at us, <laughs> feel free to get at us. Feedback at onemagicalhour.com. Um, let us know whether you think the podcast I just, is I wonder if on our latest heard, I let, I let our... Uh... I let our website momentarily last la- lapse. Oh, you did <laughs> for yeah. It was it's probably for just a couple hours, but um, it's back. Okay. Well, I'm glad I didn't discover that. Yeah, I would have been panicked. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, feedback. We'll give you our uh, we'll give you our phone number later too, so you can get at us. We were reflecting on the year of doing the podcast, and you said something like. The podcast has made me less ashamed of myself. (laughs) Schaefer is 20% less ashamed of himself because of this podcast. It's just in up, up to and including 20%. It's a, it's great fun. We should say happy birthday to Holly Parks, huh? Happy birthday, Holly. (laughs) Thanks for listening to us. She just invited us to a, a happy hour, but we're having a magical hour. It's not, I'm excuse me. She didn't really invite us to a happy hour. She invited us to have a drink, but we're busy. She, and, and now you know why, Holly. <laughs> she texted just before the show. Uh, but we are, uh, we, we, we need, we need plans these days. You just pick up and pick up and go to the bar. I don't know. Like we used to. I don't personally know anybody who can just do a, a frivolous and and uh, oh what is it when you do something um, <laughs> that's unplanned what's that called uh, uh, improvisational no not improvisational um, spontaneous spontaneous I got a different robot out did you, see, did you notice this See, there's the old robot. Oh. There's this other robot. This is a similar model, but it, like you could put samples into it. Oh wow! Mm. I, I haven't used it as much over the years because it doesn't. The sounds in it, like the pre-programmed sounds, aren't as great. But there are a lot of like uh, sample choices. Like um, so good. <laughs> That's a sample. So could you, could you put drops into this machine? It seems like I could. Um, it's super cool looking. Uh, One Magical Nation. I wish you could see. It's just got the right combination of knobs and uh, well, kind of LEDs. I can tell you, it's a Korg Electribe. It's first generation Korg Electribe. I purchased both of these pieces of equipment in like 2002. Really, like six hundred dollars each or something, like crazy. No, they were like three fifty or something. 
and, still but they, and they made they've made they're on like generation five or something with yeah. them i've been sort of interested in like buying a newer one because it would have kind of more up-to-date sounds maybe and mm-hmm. um some other sort of patterning possibilities i think but uh i'm spending all of my money just trying to survive in austin sure you know yeah i I also i just another thing about last episode was i sang the three's company theme song (laughs) and i had seen this thing on just on network television on abc it's called superstar and i guess they focus on a different person each time and i just stumbled upon it and it was about john ritter yeah. And I, Brian and I didn't know anything about this. It sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I watched that, and um, he was an interesting guy. Had an interesting career. It was really tragic the way he went. You know. Yeah, it was uh, like an kind of cancer. Or? No, he had an aortic tear. He was on the set. He was. He had a a show, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Daughter. That's right. And um, on the set one day, he wasn't feeling good. Well, actually. Buffons was in town doing a guest spot on Henry Winkler was was at in L.A. doing a guest spot on the on, on uh, eight the, simple the rules. Sitcom. Yeah. Wow. And they said this is a little mysterious. They said it had been a big week. His best friends were in town and blah, blah. So I don't know what that means. Maybe they've been out drinking or partying or I don't know. But uh, he, he suddenly was not feeling well, nauseous. And they took him, there was a, a hospital across the street from the recording studio and um, they treated him for a heart attack, but he actually had an aortic tear, which every, anything you would do for a heart blockage um, is you would do the opposite if you had an aortic tear. So oh, wow. like they treated him and they ended up hastening his death. Oh, and then now there's like, um, a protocol to like the Ritter laws or something that is part of the medical community you. that yes. Yeah. That, that was interesting, but you know, it's sad was, and tragic. He, I love to imagine partying with John Ritter. And oh, Henry Winkler at he the just, same time. he seems like such a nice guy and you know, he was such a superstar with, with three's company. But when he left, it, I think it was very difficult for him to like, reimagine his career Um, it seems like he disappeared for a long time and then you know i remember when he was i think it was really kind of when he popped up on anyone's radar but certainly when he popped up on my radar was when he played the guy running the food truck in in sling blade yeah he met he met um billy bob thornton somewhere and they hit it off yeah yeah they were fast friends and billy bob was like i want to put you in this movie and Slingblade had like zero budget, uh, but turned into turned into a big film. Yeah, and John Ritter's great in it. So, R.I.P. John Ritter. Uh, Three's Company. What a great show. They did they did eight seasons. There was this whole there was a little story arc in in that show too about um, Suzanne Summers. The breakout stars of the show were Suzanne Summers and John Ritter. And after either one or two seasons, Suzanne took it to the network and was like, I want to get paid what John's getting paid. I, I'm I am a huge star now. Pay me. And they just said no and recast her. You know, it's a, a sad commentary on 
you know, women's rights in the workplace. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, and then there was the middle Chrissy, which nobody remembers. But then the final Chrissy, um, something Snow. Can't remember her name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's no, that's the character Chrissy Snow. Um, You're going deep. You know, it's funny. Uh, I watched a lot. I was raised by television mostly. I, I don't know much about that show. I do remember watching it, but I think the oh, time that I watched it, I was just a little too young for it. We were definitely too young for it. Like I enjoyed watching it, but it was you know when you're a kid, you enjoy watching anything. Yeah. You know, this is back when there were four channels. You know, and if we had, we had the time to watch TV unsupervised, we were watching you know whatever we could find to watch. Sure. And. I remember it was mostly for a long time in that part of my childhood, we didn't have a TV at my house. You know, my parents, like in a good way, were academics. Parents are so cool. You know? Yeah. Uh, and it's that's good for me. I did a lot of reading, all that stuff. But uh, man, it meant like summertime when I went to the grandparents, I was going to watch me some TV, my friend. Yeah. And Lord, I did. And it didn't matter what was on. And, you know, yeah, I'd be watching, you know, MTV in the middle of the night. Um, Johnny Carson, or if I was really lucky, uh, Joan, uh, uh, oh man, Joan Rivers was hosting. Oh yeah, uh, Joan Rivers had a show. Yeah, sure. I loved Joan Rivers from a little kid. Oh, yeah. She would seem like so like, uh, so glamorous to me. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, so funny, you know, like, uh, I, I would. I, like, rem I remember her talk show for sure. She made me laugh a lot. And I didn't always know why I was laughing, but I found like, right. Like her brand of humor, like seemed very intelligent to me and very, very classy. And I was the, like, thought I was being an adult by like, <laughs> by my, anyway, my parents were not academics and they liked TV. And so we watched way too much TV in my house. And so I, I mean, I think I probably watched all of three's company I don't, you know, when I was way too young, I'm sure if we watched them now, we would go, well, that's too much for a seven-year-old or however I was. And I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't say you came out, you came out vastly more intellectual than me anyway. So obviously, like, no, that you, you mean that, that you mean that you were vastly more intellectual than I? Yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> neither of us. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I. I, Sorry, yeah, I wouldn't I, say that I came out best yeah. more intellectual than you. Yeah, you're right. That's um, uh, oh, I, Three's know, Company ran from obviously it doesn't matter that much. Three's Company ran from '77 to '84, so yeah, we were very young when that came out. But maybe I guess I watched it in syndication. But I certainly um, it was it was a show that I remember very well. You know, it was always based on a premise of a misunderstanding. There was something misheard. <laughs> Mr. Furley misheard something and he <laughs> he made this assumption and then off you were with the just wackiness. I think it was sort of based on like Commedia dell'arte. Maybe so. It's so funny. Like, but for it's me, it's like cuckolding and and, um, and all of that was over. Was the I don't remember that show being funny to me at all. Jack Tripper's Arlecchino. It was attractive adults like doing weird adult shit, you know. That was, and like, I watched it, I enjoyed it, but, you know, I never laughed at anything because I didn't really, like, I didn't get it. Yeah, I probably <laughs> just watched it because it was hot. Unless there was a, 
you know, unless there's like, there might have been some like physical comedy in there, like people like well sneaking into bedrooms and stuff. You know, so that then, that was also highlighted in the Superstar Show was John Ritter's physical comedy. He was a student of Buster Keaton, and um, they were talking about another silent movie comedian. Um, it wasn't there, Charlie Chaplin. There was Chaplin and Buster Keaton, and they were talking about this other guy who I'd heard his name, but I wasn't super familiar with. And John Ritter was I. Um, he loved that that whole scene, and he was amazing with it. And they did a little montage of ways he moved his body on that show, and it was hilarious. And the show went for eight seasons. By the eighth season, it was like mm, they were retreading the same sort of things like there was specifically one scene where John Rick was like haven't we done this before <laughs> kind of like kind of like podcasting kind of like podcasting I don't think we're retreading anything here what's your uh oh here's a new segment wait oh, I signed that weird <laughs> I assigned that weird uh, sample to that I love that. I don't know about that. (laughs) How about that? There's just too much of that. (laughs) There needs to be something. This needs to be something like that. Here it is. Um, Nice. Here's the new segment. Here is the new segment. Oi, mate. You what? Oi, what's your favorite Jolly Rancher? This segment is, what's your favorite Jolly Rancher? Oi, geese, what's your favorite Jolly Rancher? Peach, baby. Peach? Yeah. Huh, not easy to find. Yeah. Sometimes. But when you can. Mm. Hmm. In fact, the, we had, uh, in junior high, uh, there was, we, we lived in Memorial, which was just off of I-10, and... We discovered there was this really sketchy strip shopping center, like not right there on the highway, uh, where I ten meets the uh, meets uh, the tollway. Oh, and uh, this place had a tattoo parlor, a uh, like the like eight liner place, you know, with the slot machines. It had a bar, um, something else, something else kind of sketchy, and it had. A video store that had it had a small room in front that had normal videos and it had a big room in back that we weren't allowed to go into wow. but it also had a couple of video games weirdly wow. and this sounds like such a terrible idea now that we just like would spend hours in this place playing it had double dragon Oh, Double Dragon's great. And we would ride our bikes over there and just play that for hours. I think of, like, the sketchy people who must have come in and out of that there and just, you know, walked right by these 11-year-olds. <laughs> just like... Well, the world was different in the 80s. <laughs> it was. You know. uh, but they had, uh, on the counter, they had a bowl full of Jolly Ranchers. So whenever we went to get quarters from the cashier, swipe a Jolly Rancher. And that's like the taste of a peach jolly rancher totally reminds me of that adult video store on I-10 in Houston, Texas in the 90s where Carl Rhodes and I played Mad Double Dragon. 
that is so evocative. And do you have a poem about that? <laughs> I, I, uh, I definitely have some poems about that area in that okay, time, but okay. I don't know if I have. Seems a, fertile ground. I definitely. <laughs> I'll um, see what I can do. Okay. No pressure. I know you don't <laughs> take commissions. <laughs> I, I do have a poem called I Ten. I'll try to. I'll try yeah, to dig I'd it like up. To, I'd like to read that. Um, well, I oh, what's my favorite Jolly Rancher writer? Um, it's tough, man. I love Jolly Ranchers. This came up because we were talking about the watermelon flavor. Okay, how we, unimpressed either of us are with it. Schaefer and I were talking about the Waterloo watermelon flavor, sparkling water, which is just weird, man. It's like sometimes with these sparkling waters, these are the things we give our kids instead of soda, by the way. And I, I like them too. I don't mm-hmm. want any sugar in my life. And uh, the sometimes you're like, oh, they nailed it. Or sometimes you're like, oh, that flavor is fakey, but it's but I like the fakiness of it. Yeah. You know, there's certain grape things yeah. that are fakey. That doesn't taste like a grape, but it's like this purple flavor that you know. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Sorry, Waterloo. Awesome business. I guess not a sponsor now. The, <laughs> the watermelon flavor is like really off the mark and so weird. And Shaver was like, you know what I dislike? Watermelon Jolly Ranchers. Which I think is weird. I, I really enjoy watermelon Jolly Ranchers. I feel like they're just the, some of the least flavorful of the Jolly Ranchers. They are a little low on the flavor scale, but I, probably of the classics, it's got to be sour I mean, apple. Sour apple, sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. But uh, but another another big fave and another one that like right now I can think of childhood memories associated with cherry. Yeah, cherry. Another one that's like that doesn't taste like a cherry, but no. But it's but so delicious. There's like an umami to the cherry. Any of those wild <laughs> cherry flavors of anything. So yeah, yeah. Remember just the Luden's cough drops? Oh, yeah. Or the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The Lifesaver cherry was the best, definitely. Um, I what? do love I do love lemon anything, though. Okay. And yeah. uh, they, they do a lemon Jolly Rancher? Yeah. Lifesavers are not good. I think that I like the cherry one. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't, I mean, I don't. And whatever the green that's, flavor is, I think it's lime. Of, I think I like those. Of the lifesavers? Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't care for lifesavers. And really, have they ever saved a life? <laughs> I mean, there's that little hole in them. Like, the, the concept is, if a kid swallows it and it gets stuck in their windpipe, there's a hole that they can breathe through. It's a tiny hole. What? That's, that's why they're called lifesavers. You're winding me up. <laughs> that's, I could be totally wrong. You're pulling my padre. I, I am absolutely pulling an idea from or what I think is a memory, but maybe I'm just. I'm getting on Google right now. My okay, let, okay, we we've got a new seg we got a new segment here. We're checking Matthew's math. Hey, yeah, all right, check check that math because I think that lifesavers is called that because you know what I mean, mate. These kids put it in their mouth. And kids, they can't keep it in their mouth. They always swallow it. They're greedy kids, you know what I mean? Ring-shaped, hard and soft candy range mints and fruit-flavored candies known for its distinctive packaging coming in paper-wrapped aluminum foil rolls. Yeah, but why is it called Lifesaver? Uh, yeah, I know. We're, we're getting there. Is it because sometimes you've got low blood sugar and you need a little, like a little tiny bit? Uh, here's some <laughs> dazzling teeth. I had no idea. Uh, invented 
by Clarence Crane, C-R-A-N-E, uh, father of the poet Hart Crane, who wrote like the amazing Ode to the Brooklyn Bridge. And, oh, that is significant. So uh, the poets and the poetry lovers in the crowd. Yeah, we might have to. Okay. Go, I was going to go out with one of my poems today, but we might have to dig up some Hart Crane. We could do both. Uh, <laughs> uh, summer candy to withstand heat better than chocolate. Yep. All these Candy's things name true. is due to the fact that the shape resembles that of a traditional ring-style life preserver, oh. also known as a lifesaver. Okay. I I honestly thought <laughs> that if you got that caught in your throat, it would save your life. <laughs> hole in it. Uh, well, how, how embarrassing. I shouldn't say things on my podcast. Young Matthew must have made up. I, I think that that's something that my parents who were not academics told me uh he saw machine pharmacies he saw a machine pharmacies used to make pills that were round and wafer shaped and thought he'd use those to make mints which at the time were made square because they were pressed in sheets and sliced machinery could also punch a hole in the center and crane named the candy after resulting life preserver shape there you have it folks <laughs> Does a hole in a lifesaver save you? It's an urban legend that Crane's child tragically died by choking on a mint, and that this tragedy forced him to create the hole in the center so that if the candy was lodged in your throat, you could still breathe. So, wow, I right. was propagating an urban legend. Mm. It makes me wonder how much of my youth was urban legend. <laughs> Come on. Uh, without looking, Matthew, can you name the five fruit flavors? Yes, I can. In the five flavor rule? I can. Okay, here we go. It's cherry. It's lime. I was so, I was so full of hubris and bravado <laughs> right at the first of this. And I've got the two that were already mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go with pineapple. Nice. Um, lemon. Yeah. Dang. And grape. Nope. Uh, the last one was orange. Orange. It's funny that they had three citrus. I pineapple is kind of citrusy, too. I know. Yeah. I realize that pineapple oh. is not citrus, but. Citrus flavors. That's such. right. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm oh. glad. That, that was a little. That was a. Spontaneous deep dive the into an urban legend. Jolly Rancher uh, <laughs> bullet point that we came up with just before we hit record. Surprisingly, pre surprisingly pregnant. Really paid off. Actually, a, the whole show was a fecund all, subject matter. All of the show's content has been cobbled together in the last hour and a half, and we've been recording for 45 minutes. <laughs> fecund? Fecund? Did I say, do I say fecund funny? I don't know. Um, how do you say it? Uh, fecund. Fecundity. Fecundity. I think you say fecund or fecundity. <laughs> Let, let's get that. Isn't there something on the internet that, um, <laughs> that will tell you how it's pronounced? Whoa. Fecund. That's not how either of us were pronouncing it. Jeez. Fecund. All right. Okay. Well. Okay.
Okay, feckin'. The internet said so. I don't know, man. I'm, I don't think I'm going to go around saying feckin'. That sounds like... <laughs> that sounds like how an Irish person says the word F-U-C-K-I-N-G. Feckin'. Feckin'. <laughs> um, that reminds me of the Venus of Willendorf. You know what that is? No. It's this uh, tiny sculpture that they found, like prehistory. That's basically just like a woman. It's it's it, it's the shape. Oh yeah, the Venus of Villandorf. Oh, it's, it's a thirty thousand year old clay figure that's basically just mm. a hairstyle and and you know all woman, all the curves, mm. my lumps, my lumps, my lovely lady that lumps. Is, yeah. Um, just to I, I, I quote Fergie on the show all the time, but um, we've gone from Jolly Rancher to Venus of Villendorf so quick on a dime, so quick. And it was the family show, and if you'll see here, that's the thing where all the family comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, we're keeping it in the family, all right. <laughs> we're getting turned on by the Venus over here. You know what's interesting to me? We're talking about the podcast. Uh, on, the, on the rare occasion, sometimes on the rare occasion, that's true. Uh, we were talking about Waterloo, uh, carbonated water, fruit flavored. Yep. There's watermelon. Yep. And do you remember in high school there was some, something called clearly Canadian? Oh, do I? And it seemed that was another thing that seemed so fancy to me. Um, well, it was fancy. It came in a, a heavy glass bottle. And it was del- it was delicious. The, those clearly Canadian flavors. Yeah, they must have outlawed whatever they put in them. There was a peach. Oh, that peach was, was quite good. unbelievable. That was probably the preeminent flavor. How? So my question to you, Matthew, it was is a black cherry. How like these uh, these flavored seltzers are a billion dollar industry these days? Just huge. How like what's different now from back then? How did clearly Canadian not become that that crazy mad I mean I think it, I think things ebb and flow you know like um, look it doesn't look anything like it used to let's see if let's see if on the Wikipedia page that they show you the old bottle no where's the old bottle that's what there's, I think there's the history the kind of blue one clearly Canadian 87 clearly Canadian flavored sparkling water is introduced 93 annual sales hit a hundred and fifty-five million. No. Uh, royalty ag- ninety-three royalty agreement with Camfrey Resources is terminated. Oh, see, they here's what happened in ninety-four. They started changing it up. Mm-hmm. Started they started tea. doing different things. I mean, this this company is still going, and they still make. Maybe it's still popular in Canada. In twenty seventeen, clearly Canadian producing at national levels in both Vancouver and Montreal, but. It seems like it went away for a while, right? No. See, there were just like corporate mergers and like they had something. They were sitting on a gold mine and then they started changing it up. And people's taste changed. Th- this stuff had um, sugar in it, right? I didn't think it did, but did I could it? be wrong about that. And that could be like the big thing is that, you know, just kind of people being having different ideas about their health now is, is what Look, it, here it says the flagship sparkling flavored water originals uses carbonated Canadian spring water, natural vegan flavor and pure cane sugar. Oh, so those well, were actually sweet. 
the, the, you know, most of what we're talking about today is just like, there's no sugar. So there's no actual food stuffs in it. Yeah. And it has some chemically created flavor profile, right? Yeah. Um, Matthew's one magical nation. Matthew is pointing at this can of LaCroix I have here. It's the coconut flavor. I was talking before the, before we went live about how the coconut flavor. You want to taste that watermelon flavor? It yeah, let's try it. Stay here. Stay here with the podcast. The coconut flavor in a good way tastes like suntan lotion. And it gives me, it's, it tastes to me the way suntan lotion smells. And so that gives me, this is like a can of summertime here for me. Just the taste makes me think of going to the beach and going to the pool and being on summer vacation and having the time of your life. I so, wish they all could be California girls. That's what coconut tastes it's like. like. Brian, it's like a can full of Brian Wilson. <laughs> so to have all of that in one can is pretty impressive. You know this. I'm lying in bed just like Brian Wilson in a can. <laughs> coconut, coconut LaCroix does for me. Okay, so without I, even adding sugar. I've gone to the garage fridge. Another popular uh, uh, guest on this show, the garage fridge. And I've gotten Schaefer a Waterloo watermelon. What do you oh, think? yeah, that's a... It's bizarre, right? I mean, I do... I kind of like it, actually, but it's kind of... I would say kind of like the Jolly Rancher. It doesn't have enough watermelon flavor for me. Mm. Mm. It's It's kind of watered down. But isn't watermelon like that? Isn't it rare that you get a chunk of watermelon that has enough flavor in it? Maybe you're right. You know? Yeah. But I love... Oh. I love... Me too. Just a pure, cold slice of the watermelon. Mm. Me too. And real quick, give me your top five fruits. Oh, real quick? <laughs> I mean, man... <laughs> I know. Okay, how about for the next episode? I love... Think about your top five fruits. I love pineapple. I love Granny Smith apples. A cold, crisp, tart Granny Smith apple. Uh, and combine that with some New York sharp cheddar cheese. Wow. Okay. Now okay. you got something. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you ever put cheddar cheese on a piece of apple pie? Uh, I've tried that before. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an abomination, but you know, to each his own. It's, We're tolerant uh, on one magical nation to a point. Uh, right up until right up until they put a slice of sharp cheese on my apple pie. Not sh no, you wouldn't put sharp cheddar on there. You just put right, right, just mild, old, sure, like, rat trap cheddar. Yeah, and yeah, I know. I think that that's kind of good. It's weird, but it's good. Is that on the packaging, rat trap? <laughs> that's what they used to call it. I <laughs> okay, think. okay, but yeah, I think you could. It was branded that way. Marketed as rat trap cheddar. Okay. And it was just like the That's just the regular grade. Yeah. Okay. We we got Granny Smith's. We got pineapple. We got I love plums. Plums. Now we got some crossover. Uh I mean between you and I. I guess avocado is a fruit technically, huh? No, avocado is not an answer in this it's a particular vegetable. quiz. No, it's a fruit, but, okay. but this, that's not what I'm talking All about. All right, I, I get it. Um, uh, let me uh, keep That's going. a cop-out. I like pears. I don't know if pears are in my top five, though. Huh. And, you know, like a good I peach. I don't think pears are in anybody's top five, to be fair. You know. Are they? 
does get at us. Does anybody out there love pears? I do Are pears really, in your top five? I do really love pears, and pears have a texture to them that no other well, fruit and does. Actually, it, I for me, it's the texture of the pear that like you don't like? drops it way down. Oh, that's yeah, that's kind of what I like about it. Huh. Okay, and that's like something that I, I'm not wild about in the plum. Although I guess the way the way the plum skin like just kind of bursts. You know, it's so juicy inside. I guess that is kind of good. Um, a good peach, like, it really has to be a good peach, you know, fresh, just the right level of ripeness. Um, but there again, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily in my top five. I mean, gosh, because I love bananas, too, so much. What I have around the most bananas often... Bananas are not in anybody's top five. The, one I have, the ones I have around the most often, though, are Granny Smith apples and bananas. So, I mean, I guess the, the, you know, as far as what I preach or what I practice versus what I preach, you know, I don't often find myself bringing home a whole, whole pineapple and cutting it up. Well, I mean, but that's, yeah, there, there are fruits that are more rare, cost more and are harder to process that, you know, they're not your everyday fruits. One of those, These are the ones that you just... If you see them, you go for it. One of those, they're like, it's like a 20 ounce container from HEB that has chunks of pineapple in it and blueberries in it. Oh. And I think usually there's apples, maybe mm. some watermelon. Yeah. Um, you like a fruit salad. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. But it doesn't have you know, all that extra stuff. It's just really just chopped up fruit thrown into there. Yeah. Um, great stuff. Great, great stuff. That is good stuff. I'm going to go with. Uh, Cherries. Oh, sure. Or probably just about my top. Like, I, I crush cherry season. See, I would put them outside of our fruit category, kind of like avocados, because they're not, you know. Uh, what? I mean, cherries a sweet fruit. That's true, yeah. yeah. I Strawberries. Know. I didn't even think about them. Ch cherries. Uh, pl I think plums. Yeah. Are probably in my top. I like a nectarine. I like the, I like the nectarines... Talk about a lack of flavor. Sometimes a nectarine is very. Uh, a nectarine is half, half, subtle, plum, half very peach, subtle. Right? A combination of the two. Is that right? It is a hybrid of some sort. Okay. I can't remember what peach and get at us. Andy, let us know. <laughs> it, it would take a quick Google search. Um, and then we don't have time for all that. And then <laughs> and watermelon. Yeah. I got to say, watermelon is, is one of my absolute favorite fruits. Yeah. And um, you think a uh, cat is yelling cantaloupe? I always her, got this, right this whole bit was for me to <laughs> diss cantaloupe. At the very end, I was just going to be like, and nobody said cantaloupe ever. <laughs> said no one ever. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you, this probably doesn't count, uh, you know, in, in, in your, in, you know, in this, uh, conversation you know kind of like we've, we've been excluding some uh fr some fruits for just not being i guess not being quite like the other fruits um <laughs> man just like i remember like in the you know just walking around in the backyard in the late summertime just picking cherry tomatoes right off of the plant and eating them mm. is there like those that's the best mm. like fresh fresh from the plant okay that's not for me uh, but um, so good yeah when I was a kid, I thought tomatoes were absolutely disgusting. 
Well, they're kind of a weird thing, you know. They're kind of messy. Yeah, I like. Seedy. I, I enjoy them in all different settings now, but as a kid, I was really repulsed by tomatoes. Um, well, that's interesting. This this was also our moment, like in Three's Company, where we realized we've done this before. It's <laughs> a watermelon cantaloupe thing all over again. I mean, it's been almost a hundred episodes since the cantaloupe conversation, so yeah. Um, so we've come to the part of the show that everybody's been waiting for. I am going to review Disney's The Mysterious Benedict Society. When was the last time we gave anything some avocados around here? It's been too long. And, And let me just, let me just cut to the quick. Mysterious Benedict Society was eight avocados for me. All right. In terms of, let me frame this for everybody, just so you don't watch this thing and you're like, eight avocados, what's he crazy? Uh, It's tough for a dad to really enjoy the programming that his kids can watch, you know? And I I love, we were talking about TV. I love watching TV with my kids, you know? I love us all focusing on a story. I know it's not like the most quality time, but we all focus on a, focus on a story, and then we have something to talk about afterwards. And like, we sort of share the experience. It's fun, you know. It's like you and I going to the flick, going to the movie theater, mm-hmm. which someday we may do again. Who knows? Um, these are. It, it, this is an American mystery adventure television series. It's based on uh, children's books. The author is Trenton Lee Stewart. We didn't read the books. I had never heard of it before. It stars Tony Hale, who we all know from Buster Bluth in Arrested Development. Oh, and from Veep. Yeah. He, he's great. Yeah. Um, so here's the scene. It's a coastal town. And the setting is... It's weird. It's idyllic. And it's almost like Italy, like Amalfi Coast. And it's, but it's also like the set and setting is modern. And yet everything looks sort of retro, 50s and 60s retro fashions, right? But what's going on in this world, um, there's a global emergency. Everyone's suffering from the economy and all these other factors. And everybody knows about the emergency. And we meet Mr. Benedict. He's a talented, smart individual. He recruits this group of kids. At first, the story is told from an orphan um, whose name is Rainy Muldoon. And he's invited to take these tests to get into the Boatwright Academy, which, you know, it's all very mysterious. And uh, this woman who, like, works for the orphanage helps him get into this testing to get a free scholarship to the Boatwright Academy. And he's led into these weird uh, testing centers. And probably one of the best performances is from Kristen Schaal. Do you know her? Oh, yeah. Love her. Yeah, from uh, Bob's Burgers and Flight of the Concords. She's great. She is Mr. Benedict's number two. Her character is called number two. 
and she's administering the tests. And there's one series of tests and it comes down to Rainy and then he's taken to another series of tests and it comes down to this group of four kids and they're all like, these kids are also great in their own uh, character and in their own performance. And there's, there's Rainy Muldoon, there's Sticky Washington and he's sticky because he remembers everything. There's Kate, um, Kate Weatherall, and she's like this can-do girl who carries a small bucket everywhere that has tons of like tools and anything you would need for an adventure in it. And and one of the best performances is by this Russian young lady, Constance Contraire, and she's like very deadpan and very intense and very Russian. And it's just a great ensemble cast. And then Tony Hale plays also his brother, who you find out is the um, the leader. Uh, excuse me. He's the he's the headmaster of the institute, which it turns out they don't go to the boat ride academy. They get us. They get a scholarship to the to the institute, and then Tony Hale plays his twin brother L. D. Curtin. And then there's this whole backstory about how when they were twins and they were in the orphanage and. I gotta tell you, Matthew, I am completely wrapped just by you describing this plot. To Dude, me. it's so good. There's the train. People, people coming, coming and going. Public transit. Here we come. Um, it's so great. The I would say that the production is a little like Wes Anderson. I don't mean to undercut whoever made this or say that you're like, um, you know, stealing with Wes Anderson's steez or something, but it's, it has that everybody's influenced by something. It has that quirkiness and that colorfulness and that attention to detail and things. Um, it's a really good, they've done one season so far and the story arc is, uh, about the kids and they're on basically on a secret mission to figure out what's going on with the emergency. Um, and, it's heartwarming and it's exciting and it's quirky and it's fun. And I give it eight, eight avocados. Is there any, is there any plot that's more fun than the down and out kid or down and out person who is discovered by an, by a, a group much larger than him oh. or her and discovered to have something special and is plucked out of their destitute life and put into this new and exciting life based on uh, based on their person personality traits. Yeah, and I think the hero really is Rainy, um, and he's like such uh, earnest and sweet, and you're just rooting for him from the beginning. And um, I gotta say though that the sets and the the sets and the setting and the costuming and everything is really next level. And I, this is the kind of of commute, of uh, family programming that really transcends its genre its genre. Um, yeah, it's really really fantastic. I am completely into it. Yeah, you 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 watch this. You tell me what you think. I am 100% watching this. Um, I don't know what else to tell you about it. Well, before you, uh, before you started talking or before at the beginning of the segment, you mentioned going to movies. 
Uh, I the, I went to a movie this week. Okay. Uh, and in a mask. Yeah. Okay. I've actually been to quite a few movies. I joined yeah. the Austin Film Society, uh-huh. and they have a they it, spread you out. Yeah, it's they, it's like fifty percent or forty percent capacity or something. I don't want you to get COVID. At the Everybody's movie required to mask up. Yeah. Um, but this one was not. It's been awesome. Like so, I've seen like ten movies at the Austin Film Society. That's awesome. Because since I. Since I joined, like I get discounted tickets and stuff. Well, and that theater space that they took over is great. It's yeah. a f- formerly like a, a small um, two two theater. Co- I mean, it's two theaters, but it but it used to be like a big company ran it. Like yeah. they're 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 big theaters. Yeah, it's not like a tiny art house kind of thing. Yeah, like, and it's great, and they <laughs> show all kinds of stuff. Uh, watch some uh, Eric Romay. Uh, movies, you know, the French, he makes, he's a French director. He makes these movies about like the philosophical anguish of young love and mm. things like that. And you know? like the podcast. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> the movie I saw uh, was, it was actually not the Austin Films. It is a contemporary movie made by Hollywood and it's called The Green Knight. You heard of it? No. What's that about? Uh, well, the, it's the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Okay. Uh, which you know is the old you know the the King Arthur and his gang are carousing one Christmas day, uh, and this this tall and uh, almost supernatural, almost supernaturally tall and uh, knight uh, comes wandering in out of the out of the cold and uh, says that he'll let any any anyone in the room take a swing at his neck with their sword. And provided that no matter what happens, they agree for exactly one year to come to his green chapel up north, six days ride to the north, and let him return the blow. And uh, so everybody's... Embarrassingly, you are telling me this story. I'm hearing it for the first time. So this is just like you and the Mysterious Benedict Society. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, spooked by this supernatural uh, thing that's going on. And none of his, none of King Arthur's brave knights necessarily step up. Sir Gawain steps up. Somebody's got to save, save the face of the round table. And Green Knight kneels down. Sir Gawain takes a swing, lops his head right off. Whereupon the beheaded body of the Green Knight stands up, picks his head up, says, I'll see you in a year up at the, up at the Green Chapel. Oh, shit. And rides off holding his head. Oh. So Sir Gawain has uh, exactly one year to chew on that before he has to uh he has to ride up oh, so oh, he, man that's a oh, tough sleeping right he rides north uh and finds and finds he, he finds this actually very well appointed and beautiful uh castle manor sort of thing where this guy the lord of the manor says you know you can stay here so the green chapel is just a little ways to the north you're here early Stay here for a few days. He says, I'm going to go hunting during the day, and I'll leave you here. It's like, when I, and when I bring, whatever I bring home from my hunt, I will give to you. And in return, you give to me whatever's, whatever you receive here, at, here at the ca- in the castle during the day. So he, uh, he receives uh, a kiss from the lady of the manor. And uh, 
but also oh he's got so he's got to give the geezer a kiss and, and he does yeah <laughs> the the lord of the manor brings him a stag and he returns he uh, says here's this here's what i got and he's like you he got gives, what and he gives him a kiss he's like all right all right but the, but the other thing uh the lady of the manor also gives him a sash says wear this this will protect you from any uh from any danger be it be it real or supernatural oh and oh, does a not, magical, a magical sash, every, does, like every time. He does not tell the Lord of the Manor about that. Now, so in spoiler alert, in the uh, in the classic poem. Now, who wrote the classic poem? Uh, is anonymous. This is an old, right. old, old English epic poem. Right. Yeah. Uh, the if I remember it correctly, the the. Uh, the Green Knight, you know, he goes up to the chapel and he kneels down. He's like, all right, I'm ready for this. And the Green Knight basically, he like gives him a nick. And he was like, you know, I had that deal with you. You didn't know it was me. But to exchange, you know, to, to give you anything that, that you received from me and I would give you anything for my hunt. He's like, I know you, you know, you got the kiss from the lady of the manor. You gave me the kiss back. He's like, but you didn't tell me about that sash. So I cut you just a little bit. Just for that, um, you know, but, you know, had you been more dishonorable, I would have, uh, oh, you know, I, the, presumably you would have gotten his entire head cut up. That's how I remember the epic poem ending. Okay. Keep in mind, I haven't read it since Miss LaFont's class right. in the thing. Uh, so this movie is so good. Uh, seven avocados. Uh, it is beautifully shot. It's amazing. It stays very, very close to the story. There's a... There's a funny part at the end where it really departs from the story, uh, but and then but then at the very just like last thirty seconds, it kind of like wraps it redeems itself and wraps it up again uh, in a really kind of interesting way. So definitely watch it. I think you know even with all I've said, who made that? It will still find it surprise. I want to say it's one of the guys who was all. Did you remember that movie, The Witch? That was they made it from actual texts from like the Salem witch trial. Oh, and they, uh, okay. there's not another one like this one. You, and, and it was funny, like the same thing. It's like an art house film, though. It's not yeah. A, it's not a big so, It's film. a horror movie, yeah. It's an horror. art house horror I see, movie. I see. But, and that's, and so that, that's about, you know, these, uh, this family in puritanical, you know, upstate New York or whatever, the very beginning of the, uh, colonization, uh, by Europeans of, of the Americas. And they get, kicked out for some reason they get kicked out of the town that they're in and they have to not live in the confines of the town but live out in the woods which is only and it's only a few miles out of town but it's still like they feel cut off and both and when the green knight when or sorry when sir gowan is riding through uh you know on his quest you know i, I just like both of those movies got me thinking of it just a time when there were so many fewer people on the face of the planet where you know, like there's 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 the kind of alone that seems to be happening there that I feel like you know you, you it'd be very difficult to even to feel here no matter where on the globe you were. Uh, anyway, super exciting movie. Uh, it kind of got me thinking. I uh, I don't I really feel like we're kind of in a you know they say this is like the golden era of television, right? With all the streamers happening, but I think like movies both like. Both independent movies and uh, even mainstream movies too seem to be so good lately. And you know, part of me was thinking um, that that might have to do with 
you know, them having to compete with streamers, you know, and having to, you know, get people. So, but I don't think that that's true. Like, I don't think that that would immediately up the quality of every movie, just that competition. Now, I, it, I was thinking about it today, and I really think that it has to do with the fact that uh, we're coming to an age where every director was, from a very young age, was able to go to a movie store and get any movie in the world, mm. uh, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, go to Exposure. so many different, you get exposed to so much more stuff, so many different, whereas, you know, there, I mean, you might be an excellent filmmaker, but you were kind of raised on a handful of classics, Orson Welles or whatever, that everybody else was raised on too, so you kind of had a specific thing. I think, you know, here, like, you'll have a, like, a director my age, um, would have been able, you know, to... Well, that's a little like Tarantino working at the videos. When he was six years old, could have gone and rented, you know, Repo Man or something, or some <laughs> really weird movie, and, you know, and seen it at a young age. Have you ever seen Repo Man? Oh, yeah. No, I, I never have. I remember my dad renting that. Oh, <laughs> that was a funny, never seen that. funny choice. <laughs> my dad would rent all kinds super, of, like, Super cool, super weird know, movies. Interesting movies. Jameson and I were have a, have a, a love for close Repo relationship Man. with Repo yeah. Man. Um, well, I would, uh, I would watch it and review it in the space, but it's not for kids, so I can't. <laughs> uh, you should check out uh, Green Knight when okay. it finally makes it. Okay. If you, when, yeah. When you can. Ooh, and that'd be great. Tons like I saw like the, and it was the previews too. Tons of great looking movies coming out, and that's kind of what got me started. I was like, there's it's like an embarrassment of riches. Now I was thinking about like. You know, Nicolas Cage's, like, his personal quest to, like, out-weird already his weirdest work. Mm. He seems, he's on a streak now where he's just going into crazy, like, wow. indie movie madness. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, like, what? Uh, well, like, there was this movie called Mandy that he made that was total, like, art house weird madness horror movie. And then he made, with kind of with the same people, I think, he made this movie called Color of Space. Which is loosely based uh, on. We talked about that. Loose, loosely We're based on, on H.P. Lovecraft. We talked about that in the Lost Adam episode. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, also, just bananas. Mm. And he just made this movie. I hadn't seen it yet, but I really want to. It's supposed to be great. It's called Pig, and it's about this guy who has a, a truffle truffle sniffing pig who gets and the pig gets kidnapped, um, and he has to go find him, and apparently like leaves like a trail. Of dead in his wake and his quest to get his pig back, huh. <laughs> which uh, I prefer horse, which is either a reference to a basketball game or a heroin <laughs> reference. You Thanks. make you make the call. <laughs> that, that pig, which is the short version of horse. <laughs> uh, and there's a movie called Lamb coming out. Okay, which appears to huh. be Ugh. about this Icelandic couple also in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere who aren't able to have kids. So when they find this creature that is half lamb, half human, they raise it as their own. <laughs> that movie looks weird and scary and awesome too. Griffin could be half goat. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> watching him cavort in the front yard, I would agree. He, that guy takes takes skipping to an art form. He really does. He can, he can, when he skips, like one skip is like six feet pretty amazing he's talented we had some other 
content, which luckily we're able to shift to the next show. Uh, I think we need a poem or two to bring us to the end of episode 111. Let's, um... It's 9-2-21, episode 111. The 20th anniversary of 9-11 is coming right up. Coincidence? I think not. I want to read you're like, that's not a coincidence. I don't think you know what coincidence means. I think that I might have read this poem on here before, but I just edited it today. It wouldn't be the first time you repeated a poem. This, uh... This, I, and I submitted this to the Brooklyn Rail to our friend Anselm Berrigan. Um, and I, I, I submitted five poems. So I don't know if this is one of the ones he's going to accept or not. But, you know, I kind of mentioned this one to him because, like, I love this poem. This poem is kind of like a, is a love poem to my regulars at bar, you know, in the various bars where I've worked and owned over the years. Um, so well, I, I, I love the um, subject matter. Because I, um, I can, because I know you've had close relationships with your regulars. Yeah, yeah, and, you know. you, and you've been one. I don't think I've ever been a regular. I guess, but you've visited me, and I've, I've visited for you, you at almost every bar. Yeah, you've worked at. Um, Maybe you never made it to Pedro's, the original one. No, but, but it's always. Of course, usually it was a town where I didn't live, so it was always a special treat for me to go. <laughs> And and have you be my bartender? You've been you've been to the Four Face Liar, you've been to the Mongoose, uh, you've been to the Front Page. Those are the big ones. You've been Waller, to Waller. Yeah. Waller Creek was a yeah. Waller Creek had like was, that was like this like waiting room uh, 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 purgatory shit, but but it turned out like to be its own story. I, like I blinked and it was three like, and a half years. It's like Rogue One. It you're was like, pretty you're like my favorite Star Wars is Rogue One. You're like what? <laughs> Okay, well, so this is a poem to all of y'all. All of y'all regulars, a lot of you listening have been there. Uh, this poem is called The Bleary-Eyed Unicorn Finally Perks Up Around Happy Hour. I am a forgotten pink unicorn fallen red-eyed from a dusty book and the sunlight from a late or early hour tacks me to the wall as a friendly reminder to meet you here when the day is done where we will find ourselves again each taste a little battle for our senses to win against the dictatorship of time and the fascism of geography. And though each day we drink our glasses full of daily bread, our fails and faints are damned, well, not in vain. And when we emerge into the hyper-portrait of a parking lot, our struggles are availed, our beer wars are not losses. Into the automobiles of evening we disappear. We are a few million funny thoughts forgotten jokes and a few of us are tears there's been this great history of the poem matching up to the content so <laughs> so wonderfully i think it happened again thank you do uh, we'll have to save this oh yeah we had a quiz and we, we we had a uh, 80s video, music video we're going to talk about in the next episode. <laughs> Hold on to that quiz because I'm dying to take that. Uh, we love you. No, no. We love you. We love you. And From the bottoms of our toes. so great to, to do this on the porch together. It, it really is. I've said it before. It's very different than being on Zoom. 
you know, across the universe from each other. So hugely different. Yeah. Good stuff. So, so easy and, um, and such a pleasure and yeah. such a wonderful night. too. Such a lovely evening. It reminds me of the wine. And the poor choices that it takes to get there, because the poor the choices, the sweeter, they say, the wine. Who said that? Wow.